Hello and welcome to the MDDDS Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kyle Fagala, and I'm excited that you're joining us for Episode 5. And Episode 5 turns out to be Part 4 of our Gospel series called The Gospel You Missed in Youth Group. And it's been a great series. We've looked at the questions of who is God, also who am I, and then who is Jesus last week. This week, we are looking at the question of what is faith, and then next Monday we'll wrap this all up with a question of is death the end? What we hope to show tonight is is that we receive God's salvation through faith in Jesus and through faith in Jesus alone. So come join us as we start with what is faith. Okay, so let's go ahead and jump in. This is what is faith. And as we were just kind of talking about, uh, we've got quite a few people out. There's some tests tomorrow. And so hopefully you're out there listening to this and uh, getting caught up on everything. It's a really good, um, we're we're at part four of five on this gospel series, this is a really uh, important one. And then next week we'll talk about, um, is death the end? So let's jump in. All right, so we'll kind of start with our little definition first, but what is faith? And, uh, and then kind of look at some Bible verses about that. But it says that faith was the primary condition for receiving God's grace in the Old Testament, and it continues to be today. So we'll do our Bible verses as always. And so from the Old Testament, faith was important. Genesis 15, 6. It says that Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. All right. And then, and today, uh, faith, John 6, 47. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. Okay. So I think we know that. I mean, I, the, the story of all those Old Testament leaders was sort of predicated on faith and God telling them that something would happen, and sure enough, it did. And so God's promises were seen through. Um, so that's cool. Although I guess, you know, when you look at the Old Testament, there was kind of an element of, there was also like a sort of a tangible or a physical nature too, like into the cloud that they followed and the manna and some of those sort of things. Um, whereas today, it's more, you know, maybe purely on the faith of it. Um, but also things have been kind of made right, and they weren't <laughs> back in the past. And so... I'm sure that'd be an interesting conversation to have that we won't have tonight. But um, all right, so it says here that the theme of Romans is man is justified by faith apart from the law, and so we've talked about that a lot. But Romans three twenty eight. Anna. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. All right, so we've moved away from the idea that the law is what kind of makes us righteous or justifies us, and it's just faith alone which is what we'll talk about tonight. All right, so let's look at the two dimensions of faith, of biblical faith there is, and these are your fill-in-the-blanks, but there's belief, that's number one, so belief, and then number two is trust. So I think that when we think of faith, you tell me if I'm wrong, when I think of faith, I think of the belief component, but not the trust component necessarily. Um, And so sort of the trust component is the action I think that we, we more just think about the belief portion. I think I don't know if that's fair to say. To me, when I think of faith, if I were going to define it, I'd say it's belief in something unseen, something like that. I don't think I would put into it this the trust component necessarily. You may, Billy's like I, I would, um, but <laughs> I mean I get it. But just when I think of faith, I think I just think of the first part and maybe not the second. So we'll look at that. Um, all right. So belief is the first dimension of biblical faith, and belief in and of itself, it's a judgment of the mind that a particular idea is true. All right, and so we consider these things in our mind and then we 
sort of have a logical process. At the end of that, we decide if it's true or if it's false. All right. And so when it comes to something as important as who created us, why are we here, what's the purpose of life, it needs to be a, a logical process that takes longer than, well, that sounds kind of silly or I don't really want to believe that. You know, it needs to be a process that we spend a lot of time, many years, and that sort of thing. And at the end of that, we have the judgment that it's true or it's false. All right, so hopefully, hopefully you believe these things. Um, moving on to this, uh, this dimension of saving faith means believing the truth of Christ's own testimony. All right, so part of why we believe is because Christ told us these things. If not for the Bible, there are things that we could kind of understand maybe about God or a higher power, but we wouldn't have, you know, the whole story. But fortunately, we do. And so we'll look at John 6, uh, 47. Again, it's up a little higher. Yep, sorry. Okay. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. All right, and then John twenty thirty one. Um. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by, by believing you may have life in His name. Okay, um, and then let's see, in, in, in biblical terminology, the dimension of biblical faith is often represented by the phrase, believe that. And so we'll look at a bunch of verses here that say, believe that, and then down on we'll talk about believe in or believe on. But for the believe that, there's quite a few of them. So I'll start us with uh, Hebrews 11:6, and it says, and without faith... It is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe, believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Alright, so we've got to believe that God exists and also that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Alright, so believe that. That is the fill in the blank. Alright, so then John eight twenty four, another believe that is in here. All right, and then on to John fourteen ten through eleven. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, if if rather it is the Father living in me who is doing His work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Okay, and then John eleven twenty seven. Yes, Lord. She replied. I believe that you're the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Okay, so it sort of goes without saying that, you know, a lot of these statements here would have been difficult to believe. I mean, you know, you've, you've got thousands of years of kind of the history of the Israelites and sort of things they were told, and yeah, they had the prophets telling them things, but they weren't really looking for it in what Jesus was bringing to the table. I mean, some people saw it, most people did not. Um, and so they were forced with having to believe kind of what he was saying and what he was doing. You know, he's, he's justifying some, you know, some of it and just talking about how he's, you know, the Father is in him and he's the Father. Um, and he's kind of using the evidence of his miracles as sort of grounds to, to, to believe. Um, and so, you know, he's making these statements. This is his testimony. And so that's written down for us, fortunately. Um, 
that he's the Messiah, that he's the Son of God. So a lot of these statements are, are made, and it's our decision to believe in that. And so if we believe in that, that's the element of belief that's part of faith. Okay, so the second part is trust. This is the one that maybe we, we miss somewhat, but trust is a decision of the will to act upon what we believe. All right, so belief is a judgment of the mind that a particular idea is true, but trust is a decision of the will to act upon what we believe. So it goes without saying, but we could believe something and do nothing about it. Okay, I think I talk about hashtag activism a lot, which is this kind of idea, I think it's really popular, of sort of a passive belief system so that you can somehow make a difference by you know, tweeting about it and hashtagging it. But it's entirely possible that that is sort of like faith that is only belief, but doesn't include the trust or the action. So it's one thing to like, hey, let's save the rainforest, but you don't do anything to save the rainforest. You know, it's not that it's a bad thing, it's not that you know, it doesn't bear out in your mind, but you're not acting on that, right? So, uh, so hopefully we, we not only believe in Jesus, but we actually do something about it. Um, all right, so as Christians, we trust our time, possessions, abilities, and eternal destinies into the hands of Jesus Christ. All right, so that's a lot of stuff that we trust. Time, possessions, abilities, eternal destinies into the hands of Jesus Christ. Uh, for those of us who are medical dental students, it's hard to give our time. We don't probably have a lot of possessions right now, so that wouldn't be a big deal. But the time is tough. Uh, abilities is another one. We've obviously put our abilities into, and if you're not a medical or dental student, that's fine too, but if you're a medical or dental student, you're putting your abilities, your maybe it's intelligence or hard work into studying this so that you can take care of people if you're a doctor or take care of teeth if you're a dentist. Um, the eternal destinies is, is a even bigger one, right? Um, and I think in that sense, it's like, shouldn't be that hard because what else will we put our eternal destiny into, you know? I think, unfortunately, if we're not putting it into Jesus, we're putting our eternal destiny just in the balance. It's just, I guess we just have to either assume there isn't an eternal destiny or that it'll work itself out. And I, and I don't really know what your conclusion is if not Jesus or another religion, let's say. If you have just really no religion, what, what's your assumption about the eternal destiny? I, I guess that there's nothing or that it'll sort its way out or you'll get another chance. I don't know. And so certainly it's, it's something we all need to kind of think about. And I think for those of us who are Christians, it's the, the time and our possessions and our abilities, whatever element of that or whatever percentage of that goes to things that don't support our own eternal destiny or someone else's eternal destiny, it seems a little misspent, you know? And so, and I'm guilty of that too. So don't feel bad that you're fly fishing. Um, and I won't feel bad that I went to a concert, I guess. Um, but, uh, you know, it's important to keep that in mind. All right, so we want to we don't trust those things in the hands of Jesus Christ. So, First Timothy one twelve. I don't know who was up. It's Lauren. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that He considered me trustworthy, appointing me to His service. All right. So basically, you know, we've been appointed to uh, Christ's service in that same sense. So we've been appointed to that, and we would take that from a lot of different verses. Great Commission, so on and so forth. All right, so in biblical terminology, the dimension of biblical faith is often represented by the phrase believe in or believe on. All right, so we talked about with belief, it's a believe that, and then with trust, it's a believe in or a believe on. So Romans 10 9. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
Okay, and then John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Acts ten forty three. All the prophets testify about Him that everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins through His name. All right, then Acts sixteen thirty one. They replied, "Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household." Okay. So the power of faith does not come from faith itself, but from the Almighty, Holy, and Loving God, and from the sufficient work of Jesus in whom our faith is placed. I think we get that. So it's sort of like that idea that we're not saved because we choose to have faith. You know, it's that Jesus chooses to have mercy on us. So I think we would get that distinction. Um, but we do, I feel like, have to, to freely choose to you know, if the door is there, we have, we have to kind of walk through it. So, I mean, it's God that opens the door, that created the door, but we have to kind of choose to head that direction, right? Um, so, faith also produces obedience. So, kind of in the same line of the trust as the second dimension of, of biblical faith, that it's a decision of the will to act upon what we believe, which you kind of think of it two ways. There's the action that comes with that trust, but it's also the decision to, to kind of fully give yourself into accepting it, you know? And so you go through kind of the belief stage where you, 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 you're kind of faced with these questions and you wrestle with them, and then you sort of get, a, get to a point where you trust it. You're like, you know, this is I believe in it. And then because of that, you obey. Um, and so there is sort of an active portion to all these different stages. And then obedience would be the stage where it actually produces something. So obviously from James, you know, faith that is without deeds is dead. It doesn't mean that the deeds are what justify us, but without deeds, the faith doesn't mean a whole lot. And so it may just be like, just you only ever go through the belief stage. You never actually trust. You never actually obey, you know. Um, so it has been said that a faith that saves is a faith that obeys, uh, which reminds me of the song Trust and Obey. So I don't know if y'all grew up singing that song. Yeah. Well, I have the lyrics, and I was going to print them off, and I was going to, like, read the verses that I felt like most kind of made sense, but then I read, like, all five verses, and they were all good. So I'm going to read them all. We should probably like sing it, but I'm not going to do that because I'm being re- recorded and it would be too embarrassing. We sing afterwards. Yeah. Man, David's going to be so sad he's not here to hear us sing. Actually, I'm going to pause the podcast, David, and we're going to sing Trust and Obey, and then I'll start back. I'm just kidding. Um, I'm just going to read it. I, the, the words of this song are just so brilliant, and it's probably from like the 1800s or something. But um, So, when we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still, and with all who will trust and obey. And then the chorus. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. All right, so the faith and the obedience. I'm going to read the other four verses because I love it. But, all right. Not a shadow can rise, not a cloud in the skies, but a smile quickly drives it away. Not a doubt or a fear, not a sigh or a tear can abide while we trust and obey. Not a burden we bear, not a sorrow we share, but our toil he doth richly repay. Not a grief or a loss, not a frown or a cross, but is blessed if we trust and obey. But we never can prove the delights of his love until all on the altar we lay. For the favor he shows, for the joy he bestows, are for them who will trust and obey. And then this one, I like it because it's kind of on in the future. Then in fellowship sweet we will sit at his feet, or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says we will do, where he sins we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey. All right. What a song. What a good song. I can't think of that song without thinking about dad. Oh, okay. 
Does uh, he? So he was a troublemaker when he was growing up in church. And, yeah. Um, for that song, he would stand up on the pew and grab his zipper, and as the song went to the chorus, trust. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> he always does that, like laughs and winks at us. Your dad? Yeah. Oh man, your dad doesn't strike me as a troublemaker. Oh man, well he's really he's really mellowed out in his old age. You'll have to you'll have to send this to him. So now that song, these holy ancient words. Just have been ruined by the zipper. It's great. I am a drummer, so I get that. I get the rhythm. He was good. Yeah, he was good in that. So wow. Uh, we we sang that song a lot growing up. But uh, do they sing that at church anymore? I guess not. I don't know. Do they sing it at your church? Have yeah. you heard it before? Yeah. That was the yeah. song I chose for after I had Really? It's a good song. There are not songs with five verses anymore either, and and it's. And we, you got to sing all five. So, all right. So, a faith that saves is a faith, a faith that obeys. So, trust and obey. All right. So, the biblical pattern of salvation. You probably all know this, but anyway, it's faith. So, Romans three twenty five. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate His righteousness, because in His forbearance He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. All right, so to be received by faith, so faith. Uh, and then we have repentance, Luke 13, 3. I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Okay. Um, and then we have confession, Matthew 10, 32 33. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever dis- disowns me before others... I will disown before my father. Yeah. And then baptism, uh, Acts 2.38. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. All right. So, a, you know, a basic process there. I mean, I've heard, you know, like, I think in the Church of Christ, there's like the five steps that get kind of spoken of a lot, uh, which is... They throw in here. You, you got to hear it. I guess that one's kind of assumed. You hear, you believe, you repent, confess, you're baptized. That's like kind of like the the tent posts of sort of the Church of Christ salvation walk. Some churches, it's it's maybe more boiled down or simplified, but it, it's all kind of in there and it's all biblically supported. Obviously, we've read verses tonight that talk about um, you know just believe. Um, the one who believes has eternal life. You know there. There are verses that sort of simplify it, but the best thing you can try and do is try and take everything that's said and sort of condense it into some sort of con- concept of, well, this is sort of what we should shoot for. This, if, if I could do it the right way, sort of like uh, you know, a recipe. Like sometimes a recipe is not detailed enough. It's like, why doesn't this tell me how much salt I need? Like I really would rather know like exactly <coughs> how many teaspoons of salt. Sometimes it says a pinch. Well, what does a pinch mean? You know, um, but I think where possible to sort of distill from the Bible. This is sort of what we need to do. Let's try and do it. I don't think it means that Jesus uh, will choose to not save us or have mercy on us because, like the classic thing is, well, what if you die on the way to, to be baptized? <laughs> you know, so um, yeah, we'll, I'll let him sort those things out. But I think the best that we can is faith, repent, confess, and uh, and be baptized. I think is is a good way to look at it. So, um, all right. So our eternal destiny hinges on a biblical response to the gospel. Um, and then the question of have you responded biblically to the gospel? I hope everyone would say yes. If you've not, then we need to we need to go do something about it. Um, 
and then we'll end with three truths about faith. And I guess if you're listening, I don't usually talk to the people while I'm you know, in this group, but if you've not responded biblically to the gospel and it's something that you believe, then the time to act on it is, is now. You know, it's not a thing that you like put off until you believe it you know, more. You either believe it or you don't. You know? And so I, I think that anyone that has had faith struggles with that. Paul talks about his struggles with faith, and that, that's part of it. I don't think you ever get to a place of 100% of faith. It's like, oh yeah, there's zero doubt in my mind. Um, because every time you learn something new, then it, it produces new doubt. You know, the easiest thing in life would be to be, you know, born and isolated in a room and never told anything, and then only ever told one time that Jesus did this and this is what you should believe, and then never be talked to again, because you just that's all you would know. Um, but obviously, there's more to life, and you know, there there are doubts that that creep in, and so that's why we come to things like this, and that's why we discuss these things and all that. So it's been real faith affirming, kind of going through the gospel. This is all stuff I've heard many, many times, and yet I find just in my conversations that once I've studied this, I just I feel so much more kind of at ease or confident about it. So it's been cool. All right, so three truths about faith, uh, and I'm just going to go ahead and give you the words. But God is the giver of the gospel. He's the gift of the gospel, and he's the goal of the gospel. And so we'll look at all those. And these are some things. I think that's from David Platt, I believe. So God is the giver of the gospel. Romans 3.24. Is that on me? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. All right. So, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. All right. So God, God gave us this gift. Um, and so, you know, this, he, he gave us the ability to have faith. He gave us the gospel. This is not something that he necessarily had to do, but it's something that he chose to do. Uh, and so we're not responsible for, you know, someday we're saved and we're made right in the eyes of God. That is not because of us. Uh, we, we do not justify ourselves. I think we know that. Uh, God is the gift of the gospel. And so I think we try and make of the gospel that, like, the gift of Jesus is to, like, be happy or uh, be well or be rich or whatever. And even, like, you know, there's the crazy churches you always point out and say, well, yeah, I mean, they're, they're wrong because the guy that's the preacher wants a $65 million jet or something. Like, you can always use those examples to make yourself feel better. But the truth is, is that a lot of us go to church for selfish reasons or reasons that benefit us or that we, we look for Christianity because there's some sort of gift. So whether it's just like a general, like, it's going to be a better life. Or if you're a parent, you see a lot of people that like, they kind of fall out of the church. They have kids and it's like, you know what? We got to go to church. We, we need to do this for our kids. Like, we want our kids to be raised right. Or something and that's seeking a gift that is not the gospel that's it's not a guarantee of the gospel that our lives will be better necessarily and in fact our lives are better in the United States because culturally it is still popular to be a Christian uh, certainly in the south there will be a time where it's not so these sort of gifts that we kind of wrongly associate with Christianity uh, they're not going to be there anymore <laughs> so it better be enough that you get God and that you get righteousness one day because it won't be that you get you know more insurance sales or that you get to roof some more houses or that you you know patients trust you more there may be a day that if you tried to pray with a patient they would say I want a different doctor you know Um, or that if I play Christian music in our office that people won't want to go there you know so it's interesting. But, all right, so God is a gift of the gospel. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God is the 
God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Yep, it's a great verse. All right, so after being separated, we are united to God. So we were separated, and now one day we'll be united. You cannot take God out of salvation and still talk about God's gifts. And so, anyway, God is the goal of the gospel is the last point. And so God's character is displayed in the gospel, and he is glorified in our salvation. So God's character is displayed in the gospel, and he is glorified in our salvation. So Romans 3.26. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so as to be just, and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. All right, and then John 12.27-28. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for the very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. Let's look at those two last verses, if that's okay. Uh, there's just some good stuff in that. So the first one, uh, Romans 3.26. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so as to be just, and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So... How is he being just? And so we're talking Romans 3.26. So it, it follows Romans 3.25, which says, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. And then into this, he did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So what, what, is, he, what is Paul saying there? I mean, what he's saying is, is that he, he basically had to shed the blood of Jesus to atone for sins because he has to be just. We go back and we talk about you know, the, the nature of God and there had to be a sacrifice. So he did that. Um, and then the gospel is that he allows people who believe in that to be made righteous, which is it's an interesting thing. What's up? We were, I, I hate to say this on the podcast necessarily, but because I don't want to interrupt, but we were talking about this last week afterwards, Kyle and I, about how I feel like in some ways parenting has like a similar tension and that like, it's like God, it's like you say something as a parent and you want to be consistent because that's who you are and you feel like that breeds like more um, respect from your children and more like, I don't know, understanding of your nature and your character as a parent. And at the same time, you, like, lay things out, and you're like, okay, I'm going to be consistent and follow through on these things. And then your kids, like, mess mm. up, and you want to be merciful. And there's that similar tension that I feel like, like God feels mm. towards us, and that, like, He is 100% just. And so what we end up doing as human, like, faulty parents or whatever is we, like, bend and we, like, break our own rules every single day. Um to make allowances, but God can't do that because he is by nature 100% just. But I, but I feel that similar thing going on. And you know that, like, if I'm going to be a consistent parent who, like, when I say my yes is yes and my no is no and all those things, like, it would be really great if I never 
was merciful. But like you want to be both, you know. I yeah. Don't know. It's an interesting. Oh, that's great. Thing. Yeah, for sure. That's that's awesome. Yeah, you'll tell your kids like if you do that one more time, you know, you'll get. It's over. <laughs> Some, and sometimes you sort of overstate it. You're like, if you do that again, you won't eat for a month. <laughs> You're like, I oh. Know. I know, I'm just kidding. It's like, oh, I shouldn't have said that probably, you know. And then sometimes it's things that you don't like, you don't want to see them lose, you know. You don't want to like, so I think there's some similarity there to what God would feel. So you're like, you're really rooting on them to make a good decision. And then they make a bad decision. So then you're like, well, am I, should I be merciful or should I stand by it? And then a lot of times you're like, well, I, I got to stand by it. And that you hate to watch them, they have to deal with the punishment. But, but you think about, like, God, like, in that situation where he's like, I created man, but I can't go back on, like, what I've said, and I've told him not to do this, and I'm rooting for you, and I want you to, like, make good choices, mm-hmm. and I know you're not going to, but so, like, my workaround is that someone else is going to have to stand in the gap for you and take mm-hmm. that punishment, because then I'm still just, but I'm still, like, merciful. And anyway, it's just an interesting, It's I've been thinking about that a lot in my parenting this week, too, and how it correlates and how like I don't know I don't want my kids to like walk all over me and take advantage of me which I think God in being 100% just is saying like you can't take advantage of me <laughs> it's gonna be the way it is and anyway, sure it's great no yeah maybe we'll just start doing the discussion on the podcast yeah <laughs> be great that was really good that was a great way to kind of I think wrap it up so um, well I think we'll wrap it up there we'll have a little bit more discussion and then I'll come back on and do like a little conclusion but that was great. Okay, so we had another great group tonight. Uh, if you weren't able to make it, or if you've never actually come and you're just listening to one of these podcasts, definitely come join us on Monday nights at 7. It's really been awesome. Uh, we had a smaller group this week. Sometimes we're going to have small groups. Sometimes we'll have big groups. But the discussion is always really good. And so we had some great discussion. I think I'm just going to start recording it because it's always the best part of it. But uh, a couple just highlights of that. Uh, Lauren was talking about how when looking at faith, for her, it's, it's the belief part is not hard. She believes this and what the Bible says, but it's the trust part that's hard. And I think it was profound that uh, she said she wants to control things or be in control of things. And uh, so it makes it kind of hard to sort of you know, give God you know, her time or her abilities or, or things like that and to, to let him prioritize the way her life should go. And it reminded me sort of, like, you know, you got the shopping cart at Kroger where the kid can have sort of like the, uh, you know, the steering wheel and they sort of pretend like they're steering the shopping cart. But in fact, you know, it's it's the parent, uh, the mom or the dad that's steering the shopping cart. And in a similar sense, you know, we like to think that, you know, we're in control of the priorities of our lives or the way that our lives go or the way that things happen. Or when good things happen, we like to act like it's because of us when in fact, God is the one that's steering these things, um, and we just think we are. Uh, Will actually took kind of the contrasting approach and said that it wasn't, for him, the trust that was hard. Like he's you know, willing to, to sort of maybe do the good deeds to obey, let's say, or to act out on faith, but it's actually that the belief part is, is the hard part of, of faith for him. And so it's kind of this idea that you know, a lot of our faith or our presuppositional Ideas of you know who is God, what is the Bible, uh, you know what it what is what do I think about the gospel. Um, those are sort of presuppositional, foundational questions that we build the rest of our uh, Christian life on, 
And a lot of us maybe haven't revisited those things. So if we grew up in the church and we were sort of organic Christians, a lot of those you know, initial bricks have been laid by other people for us. And uh, we need to go back and sometimes pull that brick out and, and re- relay that foundation and, and wrestle with those things. Uh, and sometimes foundations, they, they give way. And the things that we're doing, like good deeds, we, we kind of reach a point where we're like, why am I even doing this? You know, it's sort of like a house of cards that can fall. And so uh, another thing he said is that God should be enough, that a lot of the gifts that we consider as Christians, uh, you know, the good things in life, let's say, we think of those as the gifts of being Christians or, you know, feeling at peace or having joy or having hope. When in fact, the gift of the gospel is God. Uh, and that and that is it. I mean, there's other things that come with God, of course, but God is a gift, and that should be sufficient. That should be enough, right? And one thing that I said was it's sort of like if you had an opportunity to meet your biological father, you never met him before, and your response to that was, well, you know, I've kind of got this video game I've got to play at 3.30. I, nah, I don't think I'm going to make it. You know, like, I don't, I don't know if I want to meet my dad. You know, so I think the same can be true of God. Like, God needs to be enough, and it needs to be something that we stop all things to prioritize our lives around. And so um, a lot of other good discussion, but I think those are the two highlights. It's the degree to which we all struggle with the belief component and then the trust or the obedience component of faith. And I think we all struggle with different ones at different times. And then the degree to, to which we sort of downplay the fact that God is the point of the gospel, that he is the gift of the gospel. He's given us the gospel. He is the gift of the gospel, and he's also the goal of the gospel. So being reunited with him, being glorified with him one day, that's the point of all this. So I hope you're having a great week. I know a lot of you are taking tests this week. I hope they go well. And as you're listening to this, I hope you did great. You feel really confident about it. Um, I just ask for all the blessings to you this week. And hope to see you here with us next Monday. We'll be wrapping up our gospel series with a look at the question, Is Death the End? And so I hope to see you then. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you soon.